Welcome to Badge of Burnout, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bryce Bowers, family physician, burnout expert, mental health wellness advocate, and challenger of the status quo. You are in the right place if you want to hear both mine and my guests' personal stories of overcoming burnout and mental health struggles in our medical careers, navigating the broken healthcare system, tips on how to live a more aligned, authentic life, and pearls of wisdom learned along the way. Thanks for tuning in. All right, welcome everybody to Badge of Burnout, the podcast. This is the first official video recording. So you've heard my voice and now you get to see my face as well. I'm super excited today. I have Diana Londonio on my podcast. Um, she is the first guest, obviously, that I'm having. I'm very excited to have her here. It is very, I'm very grateful that she took time to do so. I've got to admit, I'm a little starstruck um, because I think she's just such a big deal. And uh, just for her to take time to come on here is great. Diana, how are you doing? Well, first of all, I'm so, so honored to be here. It's so fun for me to to do this. And those are really, really kind words. And, you know, really, we're just colleagues and nothing special about, you know, me. It's just, you know, just getting my word out there, sharing my story to try to help others, really, just the same way you are doing and I think that is so powerful to really use our story to heal ourselves, but to heal others and to destigmatize, you know, mental health, destigmatize getting help and, you know, just getting to a better place for all of us. Because I think, you know, we know the state of how things are going and we just have to really say, hey, you're not the only one. Hey, there's a better place. We can get to a better place and, you know, together we can do it. So I'm honored to be here and I think it's fantastic what you're doing. Uh, the first time I kind of ran into you on social media, I was like, I had to do a double take. I'm like, wait, he's a resident? Like, I was yeah. like, did I get that right? You know, and I yeah. was like, this is amazing. I, I think it's so wonderful. One, to have a male voice. I've always said it. It's fantastic. There needs to be more of them. Two, to have a courageous, vulnerable voice. And three, somebody early on training because it affects medical students, residents, attending. So I, I just love all those things about you and, and your message and your courage. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was talking with one of my attendings about it today and it's just like, you know, like usually people don't speak out until they're like well into attending hood. And I think I'm like, well, I think, you know, the, the issue is, is we've got to start with this earlier to get it, you know, to, to tackle the burnout and everything that's affecting us because, Sometimes when you get so far, you know, into being attending, it's too late sometimes. It's never too late, but you know what I mean? Like, I had no idea about burnout when I was in medical school. I don't know if you did at all, no, but absolutely not. Yeah. not in medical right. school, not a residency. I had never heard of it. I had no idea until like I experienced it. And even the first time it was like, you know, kind of retrospectively like, oh, maybe that's what it was. I still had no idea. Yeah. And the second time I was like, okay, that's exactly what it was. And then why is it happening? Let's right. figure out what's happening, like really learn about it and, you know, just try to share my experience and like also just, again, like we said, destigmatize this and try to help others any way, shape or form. You know, I'm not a therapist, right. so I can't use those skills to help others, but can I help others in any way, you know, be of service and have a purpose and just, you know, through helping others, maybe, you know, we all heal at the same time. 
Yeah. I mean, I think like you said, you know, I think sharing our story is like the best thing, right? Because when I was going through burnout, I, you know, I really didn't have anything like a tangible thing to grab onto. And, you know, and similar with our patients, right? It's like, I'll never forget the patient that first presented to me in a really bad COPD exam. I just won't forget it, you know? So you have that like anecdotal, like that, just that personal connection, you know? And so when I hear that other people are struggling or other people have burned out, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. You know what I mean? So I know you had, you had touched on, you know, at least in some of the stuff you sent me, you had said that you had burned out probably about two times in your life. Do you mind sharing those stories or? Oh, no, absolutely not. So, I mean, I think the first time, like I said, I didn't really know what was happening. I just remember I was maybe a year and a half or so out of residency and it was my first job and I had been working, you know, full time seven days a week, no breaks on the weekend because I was solo employed and there was mm. no coverage. And that's something I would really encourage people that are getting jobs is to really ask these questions, like who's going to cover, um, not just what are you getting paid, but you know, there's more to that, like what's going to be your lifestyle? Who's going to help you? How do you get referrals? How are you going to get patients? Uh, you know, so much stuff like weekends, who's going to cover you on weekends, on vacations and all these things are really important to ask. I never did. I just thought, oh, it's a job. This is what I get paid and that's good to go. Mm -hmm. But because I was solo, there was nobody else. Of course, they promised that they're going to hire people, but they never did. And if I saw people on call, well, guess who's going to have to see them? There was nobody else to see them. So then I felt obliged to see them Saturday, Sunday, and then, you know, this just went on for months and months and really like a year plus, which, you know, I would sort of say, oh, well, it's just one patient or it's only two patients and I live like five minutes away. It's not a big deal. But the fact that you never rest yourself, your mind, your brain, and you're always thinking about the patients, what's going to happen, you get calls, and you never have that time to really rest, you know, really gets you into burnout. And what's burnout is chronic unmanaged stress It's chronic worry about things. And, you know, this is be patients in this scenario, but it's constant worry where you don't shut it off because I wasn't able to, there was nobody else to kind of take that time. So I really just felt foggy. I felt, you know, it was difficult to, to make a decision. And I remember specifically being outside the hospital room, not being able to decide if I should put a fully in a complicated patient because I had a sphincter and all those things. And I was like, I couldn't decide. And, you know, we do follies all day. I mean, that's yeah. easier. We just do that. And I couldn't decide. And I thought, well, something's really wrong because I can't decide something so simple. And we make thousands of decisions a day. I mean, from mm -hmm. little things to big things. So if you can't decide little things, that's going to be a bigger thing when it's a bigger decision. So I really got scared. Like, what is going on? Why do I feel foggy? Like, I don't feel right. Clearly, it must be my sugar or my thyroid or something. And I call my friend, please yeah. recommend a primary. I need to go get blood checked and all this stuff. And it must be my thyroid or right. you know, something else. My sugars are probably high. Maybe I'm diabetic. And of course, you get all the tests and everything's normal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it is. Um, yeah. Well, at least maybe that early on. Later on, things are definitely going to start showing up in your blood test as well. But at that early on, things are normal, but you don't feel right. And at that time, you know, I saw that primer. He's like, well, I don't know. He told me about some serotonin and dopamine. He's like, here's your Zoloft. I'm like, what? First of all, what are you talking about? Um, but I did take it because I didn't know what was going on. And I did go to therapy. And then I decided I'm going to quit this job, which is never going to get better. And I'm just quitting. Um, so that's sort of what I did. I had to like step back, take time and just leave a place that was never going to improve and just really take care of myself. 
So, I mean, I did therapy, like I said, I was on meds. I got off of them pretty quickly because I got pregnant, but um, I just never really realized that was burnout, but it was, it was just chronic unmanaged stress then leading to probably like anxiety, depression symptoms from like never resting, never having the time. So that's sort of how I felt. That's sort of the things I had to do to just feel better, get better, get to a better place. Um, and I really didn't have a plan. I just thought I'm getting out of here. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't know if it's good or bad for people to not have a plan and leave, but we're pretty smart people. I want to maybe emphasize to others, like we can figure things out. If you got to med school, if you got to residency, if you finished, you can figure things out and don't feel like you're trapped and you can't do anything else. And, you know, I took like a month off and I was like, I'm kind of bored now. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> and I decided to just start my private practice. In a couple months, I just started it, never knowing anything about it, just figuring this stuff out because you can. So, you know, you're just not a one-trick pony. And even if you don't do medicine again, like, you can figure things out. We're smart. So just realize your welfare, your mental health, your physical health is just so much more important than any job. And sometimes a few weeks, sometimes a few months, maybe even a year, you can step back and who cares as long as you take care of yourself. You're absolutely irreplaceable at home. Whether you have kids or you don't have kids, it doesn't matter. You're never going to be replaced at home. So it's really important to just get some help. You know, whoever, a therapist, a coach, a spiritual you know, leader, anybody, you know, to just really reach out to a friend, family, anybody. Gosh, I mean, I, if I could just sum up what I'm trying to get out to people, that is it exactly. And that's why you're here. You know, I mean, everything you just said just struck such a chord with me. I mean, it's it's just phenomenal. Everything you're saying, you know, I, I, I really like the part about, you know, about, you know, having a different career or doing something else other than medicine. Right. And then the emphasis that like we are so we are very smart people. I mean, we didn't do everything we did by accident. Right. Like we got here and we figured everything out. And so there's no reason to think that you can't figure out something else because ultimately what it comes down to is, you know, if you don't feel like a career in medicine is right for you, or it's like taking away your physical health, your mental health, or your spiritual health, it's never worth it. It's just not worth it. You know what I mean? And so, you know, they, we always say you can be replaced as a doctor, but you can't be replaced at home, like you said. Right. Okay. And okay. so and doing and doing everything that you need to do in order to, you know, keep yourself physically, mentally, spiritually healthy is is above anything else. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. I just give you a lot of credit for saying that because I mean, what are your thoughts? Because I think in medicine, you know, like we're it's 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 just such a push, 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 right? Like we're just on to the next thing and we never take time for ourselves. And that I think there's still the stigma of even if you want to leave medicine, like, well, why would you do that? You know, or like, how could you even consider doing that? Because we're just so ingrained to think it's just this linear process. You know what I mean? Yeah, but life is not linear ever. Um, you know, our training is sort of linear, but life isn't linear. There's so many loops and runarounds and, you know, nothing's ever wasted. Even if you did all your training and left, the skills you learn, the, 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 the the knowledge you gain, whether it's a medical or outside of the medical, but within the training, those are skills you can transfer to anything. So you never waste time. You never waste the time we had with friendships, experiences. And even if you do something outside of medicine, you can bring that background, that experience to the next job. So you don't lose anything. And so we have to just let go so much of these like fancy diplomas and let go of this identity 
and just realize every identity that we hang on so dearly to life, it's temporary. It really is. It's, you don't take it with you anyway when you die, and it's going to change. But when we hold on to so many of our roles, even like mother and then you're an empty nester or whatever it is, we suffer so much because we think things have to stay the same and there's never going to be any change. But when we let go and say it's all temporary, then there's less suffering. I mean, pain's unavoidable, but suffering, I do really think we create ourselves yeah. but because we just don't let go of things. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think in a way we're kind of taught to just hold on to like our titles and our, and our achievements and things like that. And so I think that creates a lot of like pain and suffering for us. Um, but I did also want to go back to um, earlier when you were talking about, you know, like when you kind of first burned out and I think it's interesting in like medical school and, and, and to some degree training, but not so much, but you know, you're kind of painted this picture that like, wow, you just get to be a doctor and that's it, right? Like there's nothing else that you really have to do besides treat patients and everything. And then you kind of start getting into the real world and you're, and this is where I'm at, you know, kind mm -hmm. of, this is where I started a lot of my movement is like, oh my gosh, I had no idea about all this stuff, extra stuff I had to do. And, you know, I often think I, I wrote a post today about if I was just in med school and everything was just so pure and innocent that, you know, maybe, maybe I wouldn't feel so burned out all the time, but you know, when I'm doing my third prior auth of the week, you know, for one patient, it really starts to get to me. And so do you think that, you know, it, it, is it the medicine itself or is it just, is there things about the system that really, you no, know, I mean, really burned you out? Yeah. I think it's, you know, you, you can't say we're, we're basically having a normal response to an absolutely abnormal environment because it should never be normal to work seven days a week for months on end and think this is normal. This is absolutely inhumane, not normal and wrong, first of all, and abusive. You know, just let's call it what it is. And the fact that people just sit back and pretend nothing's happening and that that's okay, that's even more worrisome in my own mind. You know, yeah. whether it's administrator or other physicians, they just think like, that's just how it is and we just take it. And the fact that you don't, we don't stand up for ourselves and say, this is not right. Why are we doing this? You know, that's baffling to me. It really is that we just don't ever stand up and say, no, I'm not going to do that or put a boundary and say, nope, that's enough. So, you know, there's that component and we're having really a normal response because nobody would be able to to have a, any other response because that's just physiologically the changes are happening from chronic stress. And then so why is it happening? Because these systems are honestly inhumane. These systems are, you know, just piling on more things that we have to do that have nothing to do with medicine, like you say. You know, yep. we're doing prior odds. We are clicking the box all day. Then we have some new thing that somebody thought up that we should be clicking more things and doing on the computer this way. And I'm like, why? It was working fine how it was before. Oh, no, now we got to do this. Now the nurses also have to click about the suicide risk and the fall risk and all these yeah. things for our outpatient visit. That's 15 minutes. By the time they check in, they do the insurance verification, they do the vitals, the patient pees, they do a, a <laughs> they do all these checklists. I mean, how much time do you really have with the patient mm -hmm. to really listen to them? And as a specialist, I almost want to say it's a little easier, but like as a primary, I mean, it's like, let's talk about your diabetes, your cholesterol, your anxiety, your depression, your knee pain, the fact that you also need a pre-op clearance, your, your um, time off work. I mean, how can you physically do all that in 15 minutes, which is not really 15. So then right. you're left like realizing you're not really giving good care, honestly, in that time frame and with those restrictions. 
And then you know in your soul and your heart that's wrong. And then that erodes our soul because we're like, this is not right. Yep. And then it's like, you're so boggled that like you can't even have time to fight to say like something has to change because you're just trying to get to the next patient and the next and the next. Because otherwise you're going to be there till eight o'clock. And many people are charting. Right. And so yep. if the system was designed with true humanity for the physicians and the nurses, it just would be a different place. And I really think it's time for people to speak up, you know, uh, both nurses, both physicians, patients, you know, like it's not just the physicians saving ourselves. It's like the patients have to also be advocates and speak up that this is not right, that they want something better. And so we all have to work together to really make it a more human place. And so I think it's, it's absolutely not just the medicine, it's everything else we're asked to do. And I remember just, you know, being kind of bright, I wish you tell as a resident, yeah, you just kind of said, okay, this is the medical staff. This is the test you have to do. You know, this is the surgery you got to do. And that was kind of it. You're done. You were just doing the medicine. But later on, no, it's like all the other garbage you have to do and all the other meetings you have to be at, at 6.30 in the morning and at 7 p.m. I'm like, why are we doing meetings at 7 p.m.? Why are right. we doing weekend retreats? Like, we should not be doing this. You should be protecting yeah. my time to be with my family for me to exercise and do all the other things I want to do instead of being at work from 630 in the morning until God knows when. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really great point. You know, I heard a good quote. I forget who said it, but it said, somebody said that physicians would make the worst politicians because we are just so complicit sometimes. You know what I mean? Um, we don't stand up for ourselves, even though I think we have a lot of power in, in oh, terms of what we're doing. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like we just want to like throw our power around, but we certainly have been just backing down and being complicit with kind of everything. Right. Like I find it interesting because that, you know, even, even in my residency, you know, it's like, I look around and everybody's just kind of like accepting like what's going on. And I'm like, no, like we've got to, we've got to stand up. We've got to, you know, we've got to do something about this because we're not going to make it if it continues to, to be like this, you know, at least I won't, you know, I can't really speak for everybody, but you know, but I can see everybody's burned out and it's, it's just like no big surprise why. So, you know, I, I'm always in the, in, in favor of, you know, the, if what, if there's a problem, is there a solution, right? Like, I don't just like to complain and I don't think you do either. And these are very difficult problems, right? And it's not just, well, this is it, you know, this is one solution. Here's the silver bullet. And so, you know, I, and I think, I think there's a lot of value in just bringing awareness to this stuff because, Diana, if I was watching this podcast episode in med school, I'd be like, you know, I'd be like deer in the headlights because I'd be like, wait, what? This is what it's like, you know, but I just never knew any of this, you know, yeah, and that's and not to say I'm. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, go and ahead. Go ahead. We don't ever even learn. I mean, I went to UCLA. It's a good school, but yeah. I learned zero about a lot of things, including nutrition, including yeah. teeth, nutrition. Health. Like, yeah. I have no idea how many teeth we have. I mean, we should know that. That's stuff that <laughs> stuff. We'd never learn that. <laughs> Yeah, and we never learned anything about stress. It's like, you know, like 90% of primary care doctor visits are like stress related. That yeah. high blood pressure, the high sugar that, you know, you can't control, the insomnia, the back pain, all these aches and pains that, you know, you do all this million dollar workup and nothing shows up and you go to a thousand specialists, the cardiologist, because you have palpitations, you're bloated, always bloated. Well, why would you be bloated? Because when you're in a stress state, you're not resting and digesting. You are just trying to escape from the stressors. And so, right. you know, everything gets totally out of control. You know, all the hormones, you know, even testosterone. Let's talk, I mean, that's urolo urological. Testosterone, everything gets 
you know, really out of balance with chronic stress. If we address that, if we understand that, then we can kind of step back a little bit and stop just treating symptoms and right, try to treat the cause of what's going on, try to address, you know, really the root cause and really help people, you know, look better because they're not stressed out, live longer and improve a lot of these medical conditions, you know, because when the stress goes high, everything goes high, like I said. So stress is so important. And it's not just for the burden for the primaries because it can't do everything. It's when you come see me as a urologist and you have frequency and urgency, you know, then I have to address your stress. Yeah. You have to address what else is going on so I can help you. You know, I can give you medications, of course, and treatments and, you know, what are Botox, all of these other things, but we got to go back to the basics. And that's really important. Yeah, I so agree with that. I mean, it's like, I mean, I agree because everything in like my primary care office, just about everything, I know it just starts with the brain. Like you were saying, it's like, you know, it's extremely hard to, to I always tell patients the two diff most difficult things I treat are obesity and, and anxiety and depression. And obviously those two go hand in hand, but mm -hmm. it's just so complex. But like most of the stuff that I see is just related to what starts in the mind and then manifests in the body. You know what I mean? And so- yeah. How do we start stress eating? Because we are stressed and then we eat to like, you know, suppress our cope. emotions or yep. cope, whatever. And then is this down a spiral? And, you know, it does take a lot of change in mindset from the patients as well. And nobody wants to do it and do the work because right. you have to be the owner of your disease. You have to own that if you exercise, you may not need that. Um, metformin. If you exercise, you may not need your antidepressant because it's been shown that exercise can be just as equally effective as yep. antidepressants. So, but you have to then take action and make changes and take responsibility for your health or your wellness. And a lot of people don't want to do that. A lot of people want to keep their habits and then just have somebody else fix it, which is a physician. So, you know, it's, it really takes a mindset shift, which is challenging because, you know, changing habits are not easy. Dealing mm -hmm. with trauma dealing with, you know, all these things are not easy. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's for the patients as well, but also for us when we're taking care of ourselves and it, it's complex, but we have to start thinking about like, let's not be the victim and let's be the creator of our health or our disease. Yeah. I, and I think that's hugely important, especially in us like physicians realm. Cause I talk a lot about the hypocrisy of what we do and that, like we are supposed to be healers yet we do very little to take care of ourselves. Right. I know I have colleagues that haven't exercised in over a year, you know, and, and our break room at work is donuts and, you know, everything else. And I just, I find it fascinating. Um, and not in a judgmental way, but just in a way of, well, I just walked out of room six and told them to not to, to exercise and not eat donuts. You know what I mean? And so, I just find it interesting, but I also think, you know, I, there's definitely not a role for a victim mentality, but there's also like, we do have to take ownership, but at the same time, we're so stressed and, and, and burned out from the system. We're just trying to get a little dopamine any way we can, you know? And so, so that's, I wanted to, you know, bring something else up, kind of segueing in there. So I got some physician coaching, um, towards the end of my second year of residency, um, by Chelsea Turgeon. And it just like totally changed the game for me. Like I had no idea what a physician coach was or that like a service even existed. So I know you do some physician coaching and you've got your own little practice going. So do you mind just sharing with my audience, like what is a physician coach and, and some of the work you're doing and tell us about how you're doing it? 
Yeah, I mean, there's many sort of, let's call it niches in coaching because they could be for a lot of things. I mean, coaching just basically helps you to get from A to Z in a little bit faster place um, and with some help and guidance and accountability. So, you know, coach could be somebody to help you with weight loss, somebody to help you with your business, somebody to help you with like media speaking. It could be a lot of things. You just want to improve something. Maybe you're in a job transition and you need help with that transition just to figure out your emotions and what you're doing and how you're thinking about it, or maybe think or, uh, about the situation a little bit differently. And that can be the huge change of how everything goes. A lot of coaching really goes into the principle about, you know, there's a circumstance, whatever it is, say it's your clinic, but the way that you think about that, you know, it's going to make you feel a certain way. And then that feeling leads to your actions. And that's really how it works. You know, you can't do something without a feeling preceding it. Like if you want to go work out, you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. That seems like the worst thing ever. You're not going to do it, but you're like, I want to be healthy. And that's how you're thinking. And you feel like excited, then you're going to do it. So your thoughts that we make up in our brain, you know, really change how we feel. And then how we feel changes, you know, our physiology, but also our actions that we take. So sometimes we're just not really aware of this. Well, there's like stories we tell ourselves and these thoughts that we have and we think, oh, this is just how it is. But yep. it's important to really question, like, is that really true? You know, and really kind of poke holes in these arguments. And a coach could just kind of help you look at how you're thinking about things and, you know, just figure out a different way to think about it to get to that end goal that you have. And so they, like I said, they bring you accountability, they help you, they give you some you know, skills and tools, but really it's like, you're actually doing the work. I mean, we don't tell you what to do. You have to kind of figure this, you know, by yourself, but with some guidance. And so, you know, that's really what a coach is going to do. And, you know, there's many ways to do it. There's a lot of just thinking about it. There's a lot about thinking about how you're feeling in your body when these emotions are coming up and what that can say about past traumas or past issues that have been going on and really listen to our bodies because it gives you a lot of information. And it's true whether you're a physician or patient. When you get pains, when you get a symptom, it's really trying to tell you a story in a way that you pay attention because there's no better teacher than pain. And so if you have pain, something's going on that maybe you're not addressing. And I mean, think about it. When you're stressed, you get that pain, that reflux. I mean, it's telling you something's going on. You're keeping all this anger, all this stress, and then you start getting reflux. So that pain from reflux is telling you to pay attention and to maybe do something differently. Of course, you're going to get evaluation, maybe medication, but then you have to think about what led you to get there. So, right. you know, that's more we're talking about embodiment and, and other things. And then you can even take it a notch higher and really think about like spirituality. And that's also very important if that's something that appeals to you perhaps or not, because I really think when we're burned out, we have sort of lost connection to our soul and our purpose and our way of service. And sometimes when physicians are burned out, you kind of have to go back to the drawing board. Like, why am I here? What was my purpose when I wanted to get into med school or residency? Like, what was the reason I wanted to go? And then we have to kind of remember that and focus on that when we're with a patient and treating others and just really trying to be that healer or that teacher. So I think if you also approach it that way, that can be very helpful to get out of burnout and just to, again, kind of think about it in a different perspective and realize like we're just a little stardust in the universe. And when we kind of look at the perspective of who we are, 
it may sort of like decrease the anxiety and the stress of all the things that are happening in our life. I think I mean, all that's so wonderful because, you know, I, that I, it's such a good point that especially like in our field, I mean, we're just chronically stressed. It's, you know, it's fight or flight. It's, it's that hyper arousal state, you know, depending on, it doesn't matter really what specialty you're in, especially if you're in training and those sorts of things. And you kind of learn that state and then you carry it forward, right? Like chronic stress, beeps, alarms in the hospitals, constantly on call, paging, you know, whatever you're constantly thinking about patients. And so I think over time you start to develop that, that negative mindset, like you had said, Mm -hmm. right? Like Oh, you know, this is going to be the worst or, you know, you're just kind of always thinking negatively. And so, and that's what I noticed after I got coaching was like, man, my mindset really just isn't where it used to be, you know? And, and I want to emphasize the point that like, you know, people, I think there, there is this, this notion that out there that like coaching is like therapy and it's just, it's not, it's completely different. You know what I mean? And um, at least in my experiences, cause I have a therapist and I have a coach, you know what I mean? And, and trust me, they're very different. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. And, and I recommend, but I mean, every patient that walks into me, I say, you should probably have two types of therapists, a physical therapist and a therapist, because I think both of those things in terms of taking care of your body and mind are that important. But so, you know, I, I would say anybody out there that's thinking about physician coaching, really, I mean, a lot of coaches have just like free consultation calls and things like that, but I did all the work and it, because I did all the work, I got so much more out of it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, you're not going to get anything like the gym, like you can have a gym membership, but if you don't go to the gym, you don't get better. So you have to do the work. And when you get a coach, it's like, you are ready to get to a better place. Like you have decided you are worth it. You decided it's time to change because the state you're in is sort of like not acceptable. And sometimes we have to really crash and burn to get to that really bad place. Unfortunately, to wake up and realize like it's time to take care of myself there's just no other way i cannot keep going through this numbing myself with you know food or overworking or alcohol or drugs or all of the above you know we just numb ourselves and we just think like oh another day another five cups of coffee but you know we need to slow down we need to figure out what's going on that's leading us to these behaviors like what's underneath it all and we need to really put boundaries learn to say no so you can say yes to things, which is usually yourself and your sanity, and then really start carving out time. And we all have a lot of time, no matter how busy we think we are, we have time to take care of ourselves. Like I know you have your, you know, meditation and you write in the morning. I mean, that's extremely important. We got to start the day with an intention, not yes. with a fight or flight of like, what's the email? What's going on? You can't do anything about the emails anyway. That time, just wake up, start slowing down make time for those activities that are important to slow down whether it's prayer whether it's meditation whether it's writing whether it's exercise in the morning because you need to take care of yourself and your body and your mind so that is essential to make those times morning or night or both to do those activities and if you don't do those activities or incorporate that nothing's going to change because you're just going in chronic stress all day all night and it just never stops so it's essential so you set up a time to do it. And it has to be every day, just like you brush your teeth every day, not like once a week, you know, take care of like your mind, your body, you know, your emotions, like daily, it has to be done. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, that's super important because, you know, the way we show up for, you know, our family and friends and our patients too, is it's, it's, if we don't take care of ourselves, we're obviously not going to do that very well. And that's what I started to notice when I started getting burned out. I'm, you know, cynical and jaded and, and it's kind of like hanging out with a friend that you really don't want there. You know, they're like, always oh, negative. And they're like, no, I don't want to do this. And it's like, why don't you just go home? You know? And, and, and it's kind of that way with you when you're burned out and you're not doing the things that you need to do to fulfill yourself. You know what I mean? And so people notice that people, people are aware when you're burned out and, and when you're kind of, you know, irritable and angry and stuff. But when you really start taking care of yourself and taking time and, and it can feel wrong when you first do it, right? Like it just feels uncomfortable. But if you really start taking time to do it, I mean, the, the yields are, you know, huge really for what you can do for yourself. So yeah, I, think I really huge, huge, like kind of red flag when you're always negative and everything's mm -hmm. terrible. I mean, that's burnout at its finest. I mean, you just yeah. really have to recognize and have that awareness that if you're always reactive, angry, yelling, or negative with everything and everything's terrible, you don't see a way out and everything's like bad and everybody's doing this to me, you know, it's time to really change something. And, you know, like the second time, you know, we didn't talk about it too much, but the second time I was burned out, I mean, I didn't change anything, but I was definitely super negative. I was definitely, everything was terrible and I didn't change my job or my family or my kids or anything. It's the same thing, everything, but how I approached everything and how I sort of stopped fighting against sort of the system and just realized I can only control so much. And that's usually just myself. I can only control how I react to things. I can't control the whole world, but how I'm reacting to the whole situation, I can control and I'm going to choose to do it differently. One, two, I'm going to, again, pay attention and make time for things that are going to just slow me down and that helped me. And again, everybody's different. For me, writing was very helpful and writing is very helpful for many people. You never have to publish anything, but when you write, you let go of that emotional charge that is keeping you anxious and worried and you become an observer of these thoughts. And just the act that you observe your thoughts is huge. And it really starts to show you that you are not your thoughts. You are not your feelings. Like we create them. And then I mean, if we create them, we can choose different ones that are going to make us, again, feel better and take different actions in our life. So we're not our thoughts. We're not our feelings. We're not our actions. We create them. And so the soul really does. But, you know, we are creators. So create things that are different. They're going to get you to a better place. But we have to have that awareness, realize that, and take steps. And, again, some people may feel uncomfortable at the beginning. Some people are not. Some people just are ready to do the work. But you have to do it. And that's why it's nice to have a coach because they keep you accountable. They give you tools. And they just guide you. And then you realize, again, you're not alone. You know, so many people have been through this and can get to the other side and i also think it's helpful to probably have a coach that is still in medicine because it's great to have a lot of perspective of how to help but if you're not in medicine sometimes i feel like well that's interesting like now you're not in medicine but how mm -hmm. about like the ones that stay in medicine and can still thrive and do well so it's not any knock on them but it's just you know just something to think about but regardless a coach can be very helpful a therapist friends family connection super helpful See, this is why I invited you on. I mean, you pretty much, like I said at the beginning, you just you just summarize all my salient points, and and you're, you that's the exact message message that I'm just trying to get out to people. So yeah, I mean, you're doing a great job, and you really are, you know, just a beacon of hope, of inspiration, and you know, even if nobody ever sometimes, you know, 
writes you or emails you or messages you, just know that the impact you're making, people, you know, may never message you ever, but you really can't help so many that feel like they're the only ones, they don't know what to do. They may reach out in different avenues for, for support, but they are listening to what you're doing. So um, just as that advice, you know, likes and shares in this are important, but don't let that diminish the impact that you may have, uh, whether there's a billion likes and shares and subscribes or not, you know, you still can definitely make such a huge impact for people in all walks of, you know, uh, life or stages of their career. You know, like I'm not a resident, but I can still learn from you. I still admire what you do. I still am inspired by what you do. And, you know, again, you know, we are all in this together, no matter what stage we're in. Yeah, absolutely. And and I so appreciate your kind words. And and obviously, yeah, that's, you know, the reason I do it. I mean, the likes, like you said, are nice, but, you know, the messages that I do get when people are like, wow, this, this helped me. Like I needed this today. You know, I've had some, some just blindsided by strangers and, and people I knew were like, wow, this was very powerful for me today. And, and, and that just makes it all, that makes it all worth it for me, you know? And that's what keeps me balanced outside of medicine is like, you know, I, I do enjoy my job and, and I, the privilege to take care of patients, but like, it's hard, it's hard work and it's very demanding. And so being able to just connect with people and have something that really takes me outside of medicine. Like I was looking forward to this podcast interview tonight, you know, and it's like, it's just, it's so much fun. And and that's what I would encourage everybody to do is game okay, like the work you're doing. There's something else outside of work that is, that brings you up and lights you up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, something creative. I mean, it's so important to be exactly. creative. Like do not underestimate the power of creativity because also when you're creative, you're not in the stress state. You can't be creative when you're stressed out. So when you're in a creative mode, even whether it's just creating a flyer or creating a podcast, whatever it is, you're in a state of calm, which is so important. And, you know, that creative part, whether it's a hobby that you do that you want to get back into that you've kind of forgotten about, or there's something you want to start, that creative outlet, painting, writing, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, it's so important for us as physicians when we do have a very stressful job where we're always making decisions and this and that, like just create and just let it flow and connecting with others. Um, it's also hugely, you know, healing and important, you know, for our well-being. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if I would be still in residency right now if I didn't, wasn't able to find this sort of stuff. So I have to be honest, it's, it's just been so much fun and so great connecting with people like you. So I do feel like we could talk all night and, and I'll have to have you back on sometime. So I, re I really appreciate you coming on. Just to close, do you mind kind of telling people the work you're doing right now, where they can find you and connect with you, those sorts of things and anything else, any, any other pearls of wisdom you wanted to impart? Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. So if you are a physician or you know a physician, you know, there's something that I found is called physiciancodesupport.com. It's a free confidential platform. You can go look at your time zone, click and make an appointment with a peer. They're all physicians and life coaches. And most of us have been through burnout, but it's not just about burnout. It's about, you know, just feeling like an imposter one day, feeling nervous about a meeting, uh, having difficulties with your spouse and you want to just talk with somebody you know, that is not your coworker, or your best friend over and over that heard the story, but you want just a different outlook. And we're just there for support. You know, it's free seven days a week. It's confidential. And, you know, people really have realized, you know, this was very helpful. Some people realize I need a therapist as well. Maybe I don't need coaching, but I need therapy. But the act that you spend that time on your well-being is so crucial 
because that starts to change how you're thinking about yourself. So, you know, use us. It's free. There's other resources on there as well. Uh, other great physician-led, you know, resources for support. And, you know, we're just there because, you know, I believe in paying it forward. I believe in, in, in hope for sure that there's always hope and that you really matter. Your life matters. You know, you are, like we said, irreplaceable at home. And sometimes just speaking to somebody can make a huge difference on how you feel and then what are you going to do next. So before you just feel like there is no hope, at least try it out. And, you know, if that's something that you found helpful that you never knew about, maybe long-term coaching is something you can explore as well with one of our coaches there or anybody else you like. You know, it's not about getting clients. It's just about helping you with the skills we have. So check it out, physiciancoachsupport.com. Or reach out to me, you know, on any social media platform, LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram or on my website, Diana Londoño, MD, medical, you know, medicaldoctormd.com. Um, but again, you know, just please, please, please remember you're worth it. Take care of yourself and you are absolutely irreplaceable at home. That's wonderful. And and I'll be sure to include all those links uh, in the show notes and everything on my blog, on, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. So Diana, this is the interview that sends me to the moon. I'm going viral because you were on oh, mine. Thank you so bad. much. You I really appreciate it. Share, subscribe <laughs> to your blog and to your podcast. Don't, don't, don't go anywhere before you subscribe. Thank you, Diana. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.